Welcome to the Focus and Chill podcast, where we discuss productivity tactics that work for neurodiverse individuals. Every episode, we interview guests with lived experience of neurodiversity who also have a solid productivity and habit game, and pass the learnings on to you, our wise and benevolent audience. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Joey. I'm Joey, and I coach creatives to get moving on their most ambitious projects through the power of solid habits and strong focus. I'm also a perpetual student of psychology and perpetually on a quest to a one-armed chin-up. And I'm Jeremy. I'm a neurodiverse software developer turned startup founder, building habit and focus software for people with ADHD. My cool party trick is leaving parties early so I get to sleep on time to do my three hour long morning routine. The Focus and Chill podcast is brought to you by Focus Bear, a habit and productivity app that makes healthy habits and deep work the path of least resistance. If you have a tendency to check emails or scroll through Instagram first thing in the morning, but long to develop a meditation and exercise habit first thing, Focus Bear can help you. The app blocks distractions on all your devices and guides you through your habits one at a time. Throughout the day, Focus Bear assists you to stay in deep work by blocking websites and apps that are unrelated to your chosen focus mode. Life's not all about work though. You'll be prompted to take regular breaks to rest your eyes and stretch your muscles. At the end of the day, Focus Bear helps you switch off. Work-related apps get hidden so you can unwind and sleep well. Check out the app by going to focusbear.io. Welcome to episode 21. Joining us today is the incredible Alex Waite. With ADHD as part of his journey, he's dedicated himself to making a difference to the world through social justice work. Through his company, Epic Productions, Alex helps people share their powerful stories to create change. As a host of Epic's podcast, he amplifies the voices of marginalized communities, ensuring everyone's story is heard, empowering and humanizing individuals who are often overlooked. Let's give a warm welcome to Alex. Hey, Alex, may the fourth be with you. Hey guys, so good to be with you. May the 4th with you. It, uh, for me, it's uh, still a few hours, so I get to celebrate early. I'm so excited to be with you guys. Love it. And we saw it in your, your bio that you're a Star Wars fan, so we'll have to ask you more about that a bit later. But let's start oh, off by <laughs> let's start off by hearing about your journey with neurodiversity. When did you first realize that you weren't neurotypical? Yeah, so I... Um... I didn't have a concept for being neurotypical throughout my youth. And I know, so for me, I have ADHD. I wasn't diagnosed until I was 20 years old and which is um, becoming more and more common from what I've um, been hearing from people. But from a lot of the research and stuff that I've done, it seems like that's really late in life. We usually think of ADHD in particular as being a mental disorder for, you know, five-year-old boys and stuff like that. So um, for me, I, my diagnosis story came from being in college. I uh, I went into college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. My father and I had started a nonprofit organization working in Mexico. So I I went in for a the a Spanish degree because I was like I can't go unde- undecided because I'll never do anything. And at least this way I'll do something with it. Well, and I'll change it when I figure out what I want to do. Well, I never changed it, and kept going through. And as you know, classes got harder and harder. I felt myself really pulling away from, from school and from all sorts of things. So I would stop going to classes here and there, and I would do like sort of syllabus math is what I call it. So like they list out how much everything is worth, and I'd figure out, well, what are the most important things I need to focus on? And when are the dates of the test? So I'd, I'd come the day, bef- the class before the test, and 
get the whole review or maybe the two before I get the review and all of that and then use that to prepare for the test. Well, I kept doing that over and over again. Wasn't doing great in school, but it all came to a head one day when I was doing that. I hadn't been in class for probably a week and a half, to be honest, and showed up to what I expected to be the review session. And it was not the review session. It was the day after the test. And I missed it. I had missed the exam entirely. And this was, I believe, some sort of business class. I think it was finance or accounting or something like that. And I could not tell you for the life of me what was talked about in that class at all. I was there the entire time. I didn't listen to a single thing because all I did was syllabus math the entire time. It's like, okay, this is a zero. What do I need to get on everything else to pass my classes? And now I realized that that was a form of hyperfixation that I could do that in that moment. <laughs> but it was like, oh, I'm going to have to get 95s on everything from here on out to pass this class, missing a test, getting a zero on a test and felt so much shame for missing a test, you know, because I'm paying thousands of dollars. My parents are helping me pay for college. And I've, I've just created one of these mortal errors because of just in my mind, laziness. Right. And so I ended up going to the professor the next class, or maybe it was even the one after that. And I said, Hey, I missed this test. Is there anything I can do to pass your class? Or should I just like stop coming basically? And she said, she looked at me, she goes, well, I've been waiting for you to come and talk to me. And she let me retake the test um, for a partial grade, which allowed me to end up passing the class. And that was one of the first moments for me that I was like, something is not, I'm not wired quite right. And ultimately my diagnosis came out of, I was, you know, even later after that, I was depressed and I was very fortunate to have people around me who noticed and um, did something about it. So my parents um, were like, well, if we pay to go, if we pay for you to go to therapy, will you go? And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. I mean, I'm not going to solve anything probably, but you know, it'll help. Could, who knows? And so I went to therapy and my therapist ultimately referred me to a psychiatrist Um, for what I expected to be depression and I expected to go on some sort of antidepressant and throughout the, my intake with my psychiatrist, I somehow figured out like, oh, he's leading me somewhere else. There's a different cause for everything that's going on. So I I had insomnia at the time and I was mostly, you know, depressed and obviously anxious about things like school and realized before he had said anything explicit to me that was like, oh, he's leading me towards ADHD. That's what I have. And for me, it was the biggest relief because I didn't know what was wrong with me. And this felt like a fix or an explanation, really. Like, okay, is there something that can explain why I suck at all these things when it comes to like school in particular? Mm. And it for me, it was this huge relief of this is why you are the way you are. And you know, full disclosure, since then, I've spent a lot of my life analyzing how I live through this lens of ADHD. And I still don't have it figured out. Obviously, I think that's one of the things that um, if I had, I'd probably be much richer than I am now. But it's, it was for me, a huge relief of there's, there's a way to explain this. And I still don't even to this day, don't fully understand it. And I think everyone's everyone's neurodiversity is different in their own kind of brand. But 
to have a starting point of, okay, this is why I am the way I am. This is the way I think the way I am. It not only allowed me a way to start understanding myself better, to create a world for myself and approach the world differently, creating a space for myself to be more successful potentially, but it also allowed me to lean into some of the positive sides of having ADHD. I never viewed myself as a creative person because I can't draw, I can't paint, I can't, you know, I don't have, I have terrible handwriting, you know, all this sorts of stuff. But I've realized that I do have a lot of creativity in terms of other things. Like I have a podcast. And so um, I, I am starting to be able to say out loud that I'm proud of the way that I think of things and ask questions. And, you know, one day I hope to write a book if I can ever sit down for long enough to do that. And, you know, things like that. And so just seeing, being able to see the positive sides of it, you know, creativity in different ways um, than that I get from my brain being the way it is. And so it's become, you know, it's, it'll always be uh, something that's difficult in my life and a hurdle in many different scenarios, but uh, I've been able to own it and it's helped so much to, to give myself kind of identity and understanding of myself and a starting spot. And uh, it's, for me, it's been an intense positive and there are days where I hate it. And I'll tell my wife, like, I really hate my brain today. Hmm. And she's, she'll tell me not to say stuff like that. But uh, so we all, I still have those days, but on the whole, I'm so glad to have a chance of understanding myself better through my diagnosis. Mm, absolutely. And that seems so key to, have an understanding of where the positives are, but also the areas that will be challenging. And what you were saying about not having quite figured it out yet. I haven't either. I, I don't know that many people <laughs> have, but it, it's an evolving process. And I think it's probably part of adulting that there are always going to be challenges. Right. But it sounds like you've you've learned a lot of things about yourself. And I'd love to read a book if you write one. <laughs> we'll see if I can decide on a topic. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any advice for people who may be in a similar situation and maybe they're where you were, where it sounded like there was a fair bit of shame and beating up yourself? How do you get out of that sort of state of mind and have a, a kind of view of yourself? That's something that's taken a lot of work uh, it, to have a stronger opinion of myself because it's interesting. My wife has ADHD as well. And I like to say her brand of ADHD is different from mine. And that's kind of where I've gotten the understanding that everyone's a bit different because she's very successful in a lot of things that I'm very unsuccessful in. And so it's all just different. But whenever I can see that she's struggling with something that I can tell is related to her ADHD, I have full capacity to identify that and show her that grace and tell her to have that for herself. And it's so much harder to do that for myself. And I think the... The, the advice that I give people more often than not when it comes to having ADHD, because most people, when they ask me about it, I had someone reach out to me a little while ago asking, how can I stay on task? Because I just can't organize my life right. And the number one thing that I tell people is you need accountability. That for me, that's the thing that gets me out of it. And I'm blessed to have uh, the marriage that I do um, and to be married to the person that I am. And uh, it's taken a lot, even with that, to... we to define what I need in terms of that account kind of accountability, because there are times where I will just ramble on about something. And she's like, I don't care at all about that. And I'm like, I know, but it's about me telling you what I'm going to do, because if I've told you, 
you could somehow in the future tell me that I had to, I was supposed to do that. And that'll help me stay motivated. And, and there have been times where it works. There are times it doesn't. And I think that's where um, the, the other biggest piece of advice that I always give people is not everything's going to work and not everything's going to, you're going to have to try different things. And so that's something I've learned a lot through my journey is I used to, I think all sorts of social media algorithms have figured out that I have ADHD for one way or another. And so I'm getting pitched all sorts of apps and fixes and, you know, habit, habit tracker, whatever, this, that, the other. And I've tried some of them and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But what I've realized is it can work for a period of time and then it'll stop. What helped me to be better about that is accepting that from the get-go. Because what I would do is I would find this app and be like, okay, well, uh, this is going to solve my whole life. I'm going to have my entire life tracked in this and I'm going to set it all up on one day and do nothing else that entire day, by the way. But uh, set up this whole app to tell me how to live my life and it's going to prove everything. I'm going to start meditating. I'm going to go for runs every other day and I'm going to start working out five times a week and I'll be working late on you know, all sorts of different things and it's going to, and then my life will be unlocked. And it doesn't work because that's unrealistic to have your whole to whole life figured out by some sort of app or journal or whatever tool it is. And so what I tell people is like, try to try to be reasonable with what you're expecting out of these tools, but don't expect it to work forever and be okay with that. One thing that's really helped me get out of the shame cycle around being unsuccessful, particularly around things like this is knowing that it's not going to work forever. And that's what I need. I need something new all the time. And so I'll try this app for a while. I'll try that app for a while. I'll try this journal for a while. I'll try nothing for a while. And then that usually is the worst thing. But you know what I mean? Like, that's when I I made the realization that it's not going to work forever. And that's okay. I'm going to have to keep doing different things. And, you know, follow the dopamine, as they say, and uh, be okay with trying different things and having things not work forever. There's not, not going to be anything that fixes you forever. And you're just going to have to figure out and steal some things from some things and other things from others, but you'll slowly figure your life out better that way. And I don't think there's anything that I can necessarily do to have my life figured out. I don't, I can't do the same thing every day for five months. I've never been able to do that. And so when it came to the understanding that that's just how I am, it really helped because I used to kick myself all the time. It's like, oh, I failed in this in this area of my life, because I didn't stick to this plan that I had that was supposed to solve it. And once I kind of came to the conclusion, like, okay, that's not going to solve my life, but it's still worth trying. It allows it actually to help more because I take the pressure off of it. So that's something that I've learned. Thanks for sharing, Alex. Um, I'm sure like um, some of our listeners are going to get like a, like some really good tactics for the first couple of steps of trying to get help. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, just to change tech a, a little bit, what work projects are you currently concentrating on? So I'm right now focusing on I'm growing a business. So I started my podcast uh, a little over a year ago. And that's something that I've been doing, I mean, kind of off and on for the past year and a half or so, um, just between between my neurodiversity and uh, just life situations, I've had to take some breaks here and there. But um but that definitely something that I still have going on all the time. I'm uh, I do it weekly, releasing on Fridays. Um, 
So that's something that's really important to me. I got into my podcast because I wanted to get involved with social justice work. And I didn't know the best way to do that as a straight white man and not take space from someone else. And what I ended up doing was starting this podcast and have people on to share their stories that have different experiences from, from me and my, and my journey with the intention of learning more about people and what they've gone through so that we can better understand them and be better people to them in the future. And so that's been a real passion of mine. And that's actually grown um, into uh, the business that I've started. And I've fallen in love with podcasting as a medium. I think that um, having a background in nonprofit, um, like I do, I think that that's something that I'm really interested in bringing to sort of that world, this cause, cause oriented brands and organizations, I think can really take advantage of using podcasts. And so that's the, my main focus right now is growing that business while maintaining a podcast uh, weekly. And so uh, those are the things I'm balancing right now. It's fun because I get to control my schedule a bit. I work at a restaurant on the weekends to pay the bills. So I don't put all the pressure to, to succeed right away, which was really important to me because I don't think that that would have worked for me in my brain to be like, okay, this works or else like that's, I, just, I would shut down. And so, um, I pay the bills, um, selling margaritas and then come home and spend some time in, uh, editing software and putting out podcasts. Can you tell us more about with Epic Productions? Is that essentially helping other businesses or other charities or not-for-profits to create a podcast? Yeah, exactly. So I coming from nonprofit, I think that one of the things I've learned from my time there is that space and those sorts of organizations, typically, I'm not obviously I won't make any sort of blanket statements, aren't very good at taking advantage of some of these modern opportunities. And I think podcasts in particular, you guys probably know this as well, hold a really unique space in our in our media right now because they're the only really long form piece of content creation that we can use that's still gaining in popularity. Everything else is getting shorter, TikTok and Reels and things like that. And I think that's what these cause-oriented brands and organizations need to take advantage of because what they need to do, any sort of nonprofit, what you're trying to do is get people to hear your story, what you're trying to fix in the world, empathize with it, connect with it, and partner with you in some form or fashion. And I think it's getting increasingly harder to do that in 30 seconds or less. But on a podcast, you really have the opportunity to connect with your listener, with your audience, and they get used to you. It's a very intimate, uh, it's a very intimate medium where oftentimes you're directly in someone's ear while they're on a run or uh, in their car with you on the drive to work. And you, like I have podcasts that I've been listening to for years and I, I could see that person on the street tomorrow and feel like I know them. He won't know me from anyone, obviously, but I feel like I, I've been listening to him for 10 years. So I feel like I know him. And that's, I think, something that you can take advantage of, particularly in some of these spaces where you're trying to make connections and that's what you're doing to change the world. And uh, so that's, that's kind of my intention for it. And I think, you know, the, the reality is, you know, podcasts, or something that can be done by anyone. If you have a laptop, you can make a podcast and it won't cost you anything, but you got to spend the time making it and learning how to do it. And that's what I uh, want to take off the table for them. And the thing that I say that I try to use to differentiate myself is I'm not, it's not just transactional for me. Like uh, because I have ADHD, I have left so many jobs once I lose motivation for it, because the way I say it before, um, particularly with uh, some of the nonprofit jobs that I got burnt out on was I had to live out someone else's vision. And I can't do that. I, that's a part I've learned about my ADHD is I have to be passionate about what I'm doing. 
And if I'm not, I'm going to suck as an employee, not because I'm a bad, I'm, I'm still a hard worker and I'm still, I'm motivated. I'm still have, you know, talents that I bring to the table, but if I've checked out, I will suck for your organization. And mm -hmm. that's what ultimately made me realize that I need to work for myself and control uh, what I feel passionate about. And that's what I think I bring differently with my businesses. Yeah, sure. You can make a podcast on your own, but I actually care about your story getting out there. And it's not just a transaction for me. This is my mission as well. So that's, that's kind of what I, how I like to say that. I love it. And I feel exactly the same that a dead end job is very hard for me to work, but something that I can get excited about. I'll be the best employee ever. Oh yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about what you do when you're not working. We heard that you like Star Wars and you alluded to potentially listening to podcasts while you're running. Yeah. What else do you get up to? Well, I don't run. I think I'm allergic to it because I break out in a oh, terrible okay. every time. But uh, uh, no, I, I do. I do uh, bike quite often. And so that's something that I do. Um, I live here in Colorado. So um, don't tell anybody this, but because where I already can't afford rent very well as it is, but it's, you know, 300 days of sun every year. So it's uh, almost perfect weather almost all the time. And so being outside is great. And, um, but mostly my hobbies revolve around my two children. I have a three-year-old and five-year-old, both boys. We're a very quiet family that all of our neighbors have never heard make any noise ever. Before. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, yeah, I'm, my three-year-old, his passion in life is throwing rocks into water. And so we take, I'll put him on the bike and we'll ride him over to the park and we'll, I, we'll spend hours throwing rocks into water. And my five-year-old's life passion right now is building Legos. And which is great for me because being so Star Wars obsessed, um, it's a really easy thing to to get into. Unfortunately, I think he might make us go broke because I got my wife into Legos now as well. So uh, <laughs> for for the other day, they went to the Lego store here here in Colorado and stood in line on May, on May first for the May the fourth open uh, release so that we could get the promotional Death Star uh, Lego for the 40th anniversary of uh, return of the Jedi. And so, oh man, yeah, I, so I spent a lot of time uh, talking to my wife about, you know, just our theories around star Wars. Uh, I promised myself when streaming hit that I would never watch TV live again. I would just binge it only. And obviously Lucasfilm being purchased by Disney plus has really put a, put a spin on that for me. And so waiting patiently for Ahsoka to come out soon. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a lot of what I do on my own time. Nice. I'm trying to figure out if you were being ironic about the volume. I, I, I was when you Absolutely. were talking about. Yeah, no, we're so loud. I think everyone hates us. That's why <laughs> I'm not friends with any of our neighbors. <laughs> when, you, when you were talking about throwing rocks, I thought you were going to say his hobby was throwing rocks at windows, and I was imagining oh, that's where oh, the noise yeah. came from. He did the rock at his brother the other day. That was <laughs> loud as well, but no windows yet. <laughs> okay. Well, hope he grows out of the rock phase soon. <laughs> Uh, so Alex, um, what does your morning routine look like and how has it evolved over time? So my morning routine has been interesting throughout time because especially with the lifestyle that I have now, um, working at a restaurant a few days a week, I get home late and a big part of the reason why I chose to start my own business is because I wanted to be able to control my time more. And the biggest part of that was spending time with my kids. So what that means is I spend a lot of time in the evening working after they go to bed. And then ultimately, you know, having two kids that uh, means that 
that's the time that I get with my wife as well. So I'm splitting that time between work and uh, with my wife because the kids dominate the rest of that time. And so I'm not good at going to bed on time. I have on my iPhone every night, it tells me when I'm supposed to go to bed and I promptly ignore it and play the next episode of whatever we're watching. Um, and so oftentimes stay up late, especially like right now we got NBA playoffs going on and, you know, Denver's team is actually good. So I'm staying up too late watching those Thursday games. And I wake, I wake up probably later than I should every morning. So the biggest thing that I do though, that I've been able to do to positively impact my day, particularly for having ADHD in the morning is I refuse to buy a second car here in Denver. Um, one, I hate owning a car because all they do is break and cost money. And, you know, the gas prices will go up or whatever. And so, and I just have always had terrible luck with cars breaking and dying and costing money again and again. And so I, when we moved to d- downtown, I told my wife, I was like, we're not going to own a second car. We, if we could, we'd go without one, because, but we have kids. So obviously we have to have one. And what we did was there was a, a voucher program here in Denver. So we could basically get e-bikes for free. And so we got an e-bike that I can put my kids on and I take them to school on it almost every day. And it's a great thing that I've been able to do to positively impact my day because especially as a parent with ADHD, uh, I know the importance and the value of exercising every day. I just don't have the time. It just, it's just not realistic for me. And so finding a way to build it into my actual day and routine has been huge because I get to be outside and I get that sort of, especially within like an e-bike, for example, I get, it, it helps me go faster. So it does not like a huge detriment time-wise or anything. And he, the schools aren't too far away. So it's, uh, it, it's not that really limiting to my schedule or routine that much, but it's, it's a way that I figured out to bake in kind of that exercise because I know I'm, I have a hard time finding it everywhere else. So that's the big part of my routine that I've really focused on that I've noticed, especially recently, now that it's getting warmer again uh, for us here, that that's been the thing that I've been sticking to the most and has had the biggest positive impact for me. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan of bike commuting because it's partly the exercise, but also it feels less demanding because you have to get somewhere anyway and may as well make exercise part of it do you have any other hacks that you you like to do in terms of fitting in some kind of movement into your day in terms of fitting other movement in uh the bike is the big one i mean because and for me like i always viewed exercise as like you got to go running you got to work out and i always enjoyed working out but like i said now i don't have time and i always hated running and so when i started biking it it changed everything because like I think it's like, it's for me, it's like running with ADHD for ADHD because you can go faster and farther and feel like you're accomplishing something. Uh, and so like, I feel more stimulated going on a bike ride than I do going for a run. And so that's a big part of it. I'll, we have lots of great places we can go here in, here in Denver um, on the bike. So, so biking is the main thing I do to keep moving. Um, and then playing with my kids. One thing I do, um, I try to be very intentional about is I get on the floor with my children every day. And uh, it doesn't sound like as big of a workout as it is. Uh, but the second I get down on the floor and often sometimes I like lie down uh, waiting for them to do something with me. And ultimately, the second I pull up my phone every single time, they will jump on me every time. Uh, <laughs> and so when your eyes are looking away every time. And so I think they're not paying attention. They're just waiting. And and so that's something that it's it's maybe not like a huge physical activity necessarily. 
but being active and on the floor with my kids and trying to stay. And like, if I go to the playground with them, I feel like one of the reasons I had kids was to have an excuse to be a kid again myself. And so if I go to the playground with my kids, I'm going on the playground and I will be the only adult who does that <laughs> because it's freaking fun, man. Like, uh, <laughs> and, and my kids, my kids love it. And well, I mean, my five-year-old it's it's getting less and less cool, which is breaking my heart, but, um, uh, that, but that's what I do. Like I, I engage, try to engage with my kids and it's, it's hard. It's, it's, you have, it takes a lot of intentionality because there's always something I can be doing on my phone and my kids often annoy the crap out of me. So I don't really want to be with them all the time, but, uh, and I get a lot of crap for saying things like that, but like everyone thinks that. So I'm just being, <laughs> honest. um, and I love my kids obviously. So I don't feel bad saying it, but it, but yeah, that, but be an active participant with your kids and, just find an excuse. So like, we just got a dog. I'm on the floor all the time trying to get this dog to like me. And it maybe is an exercise, but it's not sitting there on my phone. You know what I mean? Hello there, this is Joey. I'm excited to tell you about a project I run where I help imaginative people just like you breathe life into their creative dreams, like writing that book or performing that stand-up comedy set. I know the first step can be daunting. I've been there many times and have helped many people on a similar journey. If you've wondered how to bring those ideas swimming around in your head to life, get in touch. We'll shrink the intimidating dragon off a goal into a cute little lizard of an achievable daily habit that you can do every day to get started and stay moving. Click on the link in the show description to get in touch. That sounds really fun playing on the playground with your kids and playing with a dog. I do the same with my nephew and I'm looking forward to at some point either getting a dog or a kid. Let's talk a bit more about with your working tactics for optimizing your productivity. We heard about accountability being quite crucial for you. And you also mentioned that there are a lot of different tactics out there and they may not last forever, but sort of ride the wave of novelty while it lasts. Mm -hmm. What's working for you at the moment? So at the moment, actually, this is kind of a new phase for me. So I don't want to speak too much on it. I'm not, I don't want to profess to be an expert at all, but I've been trying to figure out different ways that AI can benefit me as a, as a content creator, particularly. And so obviously things like ChatGPT uh, is a free resource that I've really started using a lot to write copy and um, intros, outros for episodes. Um, e I've even used it to like start emails back to a client, things like that. And I, one thing I will say is uh it's never perfect so you need to you so don't just use it and then copy and paste you have to edit it for the most part make it sound natural to you um so it doesn't do everything for you but for me one of the biggest things was particularly when it comes to things like writing writing scripts for my intro or outro for a podcast i hate doing that because i have the hardest time starting and once I get going, I usually am pretty good. What this does is it starts it for me and finishes it for me. And then I get to go through and be picky about what I like, what I don't like. And then oftentimes I'll just rewrite it because I'm then inspired. And so that's something that I've used a lot. And uh, so, yeah, so that's a big thing for me. I'm a big lists person, lists and templates. And so for every episode of my podcast, I've created a template that I use and I follow. And um, I think I saw your guys's um, that I'm assuming you use quite often as well. So um, yep. I, I feel like I'm within a safe space to talk about my list and my spreadsheets. Yeah, um, do it. <laughs> but I do that for everything. I have spreadsheets for everything because for me, like Google Drive is like my best friend because I 
I want to be able to access it anywhere, any computer, um, and have it all organized. I save almost nothing directly. I only the thing I save directly onto my computer is is content that I'm editing. So like raw content for the most part. And so I will have for like my client, I have a, a list that we go through a, a document, the centralized document where we talk about what episodes are coming up next and what needs to be done. Um, what's been done already. So like I'll put um, check boxes next to things that people can check off when they've done or that I, when I've done it and have, you know, status bars to show um, improvement. So for me, that's, and that's uh, again, some of that accountability piece. Like I, if I know someone has access to this document, I need to be working on it because they could look at it at any point in time and see if I'm doing it or not. And so that's baked into that as well. And then just finding ways to streamline streamline my process has been what I've been focusing most on because being a, you know, a small business, one man show, I, I don't want to be working for the rest of my life until 11 PM every night. And so finding ways to do it faster and for things, particularly for me, when it comes to things like uh, content creation, uh, it's things like, how do I streamline my interview process? How do I streamline my editing process? So like for me, I spend more time now trying to get my sound, my sound, uh, right when I'm recording rather than doing it all in post. So I bought a mixer to fix stuff like that. And so, so just little things here and there to, to focus on efficiency, but yeah. Uh, so that, so that's what I do is I create, I create lists for everything. And, and again, using all these different tools. So for example, there's a tool that I'm using. I almost never pay for things anymore, pay for any sort of subscription service when it comes that's like a productivity management sort of thing. I have just started paying for one and I don't know if I will forever. Cause again, you know, that's the, that's the process, but it's been really working for me recently. It's called uh, what's it called? It's open right now. It's called motion. And what it does is that it uses AI to you put all your tasks into it and it will schedule them for you uh, within your availability or things like that. And so like, I always used a free, uh, a free task manager. Uh, I used to do this cause it had such a big capacity for things. Um, and it was free. And that's something that like knowing that I'm going to switch around to things all the time. I was like, I'm only going to use free things as much as possible and abuse those for a while and then move on. I actually did a, you know, a seven day trial of this expecting to not do it. And I'm like, I'll pay for another month. I'm not committed yet or anything, but the thing that I like about it is I have a really hard time prioritizing. And so what it does is I'll put deadlines in for it and, and, you know, put my schedule in and it'll tell me what I need to do, which day. And if I don't, the thing that I like about it is if I don't do it, because that happens all the time, if I don't do it and I don't mark it completed, it will reschedule it for me. Because on all these other um, apps and stuff, if you don't do it, it just shows overdue or late or whatever. And it just stays there in red and mm -hmm. makes me feel horrible about myself. Mm -hmm. and, and so this hasn't done that. So that's been one that I've been using recently um, as well. Yeah, awesome. Um, I was... When, when you mentioned using uh, ChatGPT, Alex, like I was just thinking back to like last night when I was using, um, I was using AI to generate some images and I had this bad habit of just like getting really stuck into it and just like hours going by just generating some simple image. Uh, and so um, it, it's, a, it's a bad habit I'm trying to currently uh, work with. And I was just wondering, um, do, you, do you have a bad habit that you'd like to remove from your life? Yeah. I mean, that's one for me too, where like I can get sucked down that rabbit hole as well. Cause I'm like, I, it's interesting. So, so like one thing I started doing with uh chat GPT is I realized I can use it to write bedtime stories for my kids. And I've had so much fun doing that, that I started doing it on my own time. <laughs> Cause like what I'll do is I'll say like, Hey, you guys list five characters or whatever, and I'll input it. And then I, cause I saw this like TikTok about like 
what you can do is you tell them to list characters and then you can tell it to write an underlying message of like, don't punch your brother or throw rocks at your brother. And it'll oh, wow. subtly, I mean, not that subtly because it's, you know, chat GPT, but it will mix it in, but they're kids. So they, they don't recognize that I put that in. And so, um, so then I get, I get stuck down that rabbit trail. I did um, randomly one day. Um, this was clearly an unmedicated day. I sat there for like how three hours and I had it just out of curiosity, had it write a star Wars story. And so I was like, Nate, like outline a book that you would write, you know, if you were Dave Filoni and uh, tell a story that hasn't been told. And then I was like, create new characters and all this. And I would just keep expanding on expanding on it. And so I went down that, that wormhole for a while. Um, another thing that like oftentimes that I uh, recognize that I need to do is I get so obsessed with whatever the next tool is. I will spend so much time setting that up rather than using it or because that, because I love lists so much, I will, I will create so many documents and spreadsheets for something that I probably don't need to avoid using it and filling it out for whatever. And so that's, that's something that I'm really, really trying to break is um, I'm trying to go through like my Google drive and eliminate things that aren't relevant and only use like one or two documents for each client and for each project and limit and condense those things. Because, you know, I, th I think it's a part of my ADHD where I was like, oh, okay, well, I need to optimize this. So this is the last list I ever need. Like not realizing the irony of that, you know, that I'm creating this. <laughs> and, uh, and of course it has to look good and like the font has to be right and the colors have to be have to be complimentary and like I'll have links to other documents that are in there so that my client doesn't have to go looking for them. And I'll put my logo in the top, you know, like all this stuff that's so unnecessary um, because to me, it, it makes me feel better when it looks good. Um, and so there's a benefit to that. So I don't, I, I will never stop doing that entirely, but uh, the habit that I'm trying to break primarily is creating new ones and just like either you spend a limited amount of time optimizing, changing the ones I have, or just doing it instead of creating new ones. Cause I'm addicted to creating lists and uh, allergic to uh, fulfilling them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, a certain amount of time that is beneficial in terms of sharpening processes that yeah. I can relate to sometimes spending too much time on the process and not enough time on the execution. I love the bedtime stories idea. I'm going to have to try that. I might get it to write a story for myself to help me sleep in that vein what do you do to to help you to be able to get to sleep a big thing that i do is i i started wearing blue light glasses at night i'm gonna be honest i have no idea if it works uh but i feel like it's probably a good thing to try <laughs> and so, they look badass is that's one of the things too like i <laughs> it's like i feel cooler wearing glasses sometimes which is so funny to say now so that's one thing that I've done. Um, I'm not super consistent with that necessarily. And again, I I honestly have no idea if it works, but I feel like it probably has some effect. Um, but I can't lie down and fall asleep. I never have been able to. If I don't have some sort of medication or other drug in my body, it's very difficult uh, for me to, to reach unconsciousness. So what I do um, is I fall asleep listening to an audiobook every night. Um, listening to an audiobook or something, often, sometimes a podcast. I've stopped listening to podcasts at night because I get interested in them and I get mad at myself in the morning when I've finished it without having any idea what it was about. And so I listen to audiobooks, particularly about uh, particularly books I've read before. And so uh, I oftentimes will go through either Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, 
Um, Andy Serkis just released a a new version of the Lord of the Rings where he does all the voices and he's incredible because he was the original Gollum. And, uh, and so I immediately bought all those books with my wife's audible credits. And, uh, that's, that's oftentimes because I, because I've read them before I've seen the movies. I've, I've listened to them all before I know the story. And so if I fall asleep and, and the next night I start 30 minutes later and I'm like, Oh, well, I missed that part, but I know what happened. Um, that's helpful for me or, uh, the less, the less responsible version of that is I'll, I'll have like a basketball game on my phone next to that. And there's something about if it's a game, I don't care about If it's not my team, if it's my team, I'm sitting up, I'm cheering, I'm yelling, I'm swearing. And, but if it's a, if it's some other game or some other sport, uh, that I'm less invested in, there's something about commentary, the sports commentary that puts me to sleep. And so have I have to have some sort of auditory noise and to the point where I bought a um you know because obviously buying things makes me happy because I have ADHD and so I was like why I told my wife I was like Christine I really need this she's like whatever find a cheaper version of it and so I got this like headband that has headphones in it so you can fall asleep because I would always fall asleep with a uh, airpod in my ear and wake up and my ears throbbing right and I've then I've lost it, right? <laughs> so, so that's what I do is I have to fall asleep listening to something. Yeah, nice one. And so you're mentioning audiobooks, but it sounds like those were mainly fiction fictions that you've um, very well familiar with the story. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm curious about like, um, do you have any particular like resources, like books, philosophies, apps, sensory toys, or anything like that that you find uh, most helpful for productivity and habit formation? So when it comes to things like habit formation and things like that, I love to buy those books and I am not very good at reading them. Uh, I think book, and I'm one of those people like I buy hard, hardback books because I love the way they look at my bookshelf. And I, I convince myself every other week that I'm going to be a reader. And I think I am at heart, but in my head, I'm not consistently. And so uh, in terms of resources like that, um, I honestly don't have a lot that I've leaned on over the years. Um, but for me, like I, I don't, I don't process it well enough that way. And so that's why I've gone to things like uh, podcasts in particular, because there's something about a podcast where I can be doing something else and have that just barely enough in my consciousness that I'll, I'll pick up on it. And so um, I've cycled through all sorts of different sort of podcasts on ADHD and things like that. And I've gotten to the point where I, I still do buy books that I won't read, but for the most part, the most success I have in terms of reading books is fiction because it keeps me engaged better. And uh, it, I don't feel as, as shitty when I put it down and pick it up three months later. Hmm. Absolutely. Do you have any, in terms of podcasts, are there any that you are listening to right now that you'd recommend besides that so, one, of course? Besides yours, uh, the podcast that I listen to, because because I make podcasts now, I listen to podcasts very differently. So like my dad's a priest and he used to say, I can't listen to a sermon because he it doesn't, you can't hit listen to it the same way. So when I listen to a podcast, I'm like, that was, a, there was a cut there that they, that they uh, didn't hide well enough or like, oh, like they left that um in, I probably would have taken that out or this, that, the other. Uh, and so I listen to podcasts very differently. And so um, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to recently have been more sports related um because it's an escape for me um and then other 
podcasts that I listen to are things that I that I ultimately like look up to and uh, want to emulate someday. So like uh, the one that I've been going through recently, and again, this is like everything else; it goes through phases. But uh, the one I've been going through recently is uh, uh, what's it called? Armchair Expert, the Dax the Dax Shepherd podcast. Um, and obviously, he's huge and he's been doing it for years. But that's a big way. Uh, I I try to model a lot of my show off of. Uh, the way he interviews people and things like that. And, and they have interesting people on and he's good at talking to people. And so um, just, tr- that's what I do is I find things. And those are sort of the podcasts that I cycle through of like, how can I emulate this um, and pick up things for it? And so I've stopped listening to a lot of things that are like specific to like in that sort of self-help range for lack of a better term, um, because I find myself disengaging from it. And the the more that I have grown in my ability and my confidence in what I'm in what I do, I I've stopped looking for resources that tell me how to do it. And I've stopped looking at people who are doing the same thing better than I am and picking it up that way. Hmm. What like off what they're doing. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. If people want to see how you're implementing those new ideas and want to potentially listen to some of your own podcasts, where would they find them? Yeah. So you can, uh, anywhere on social media, uh, at epics pod epics with an S. So E P I C S P O D, um, is my social media anywhere. And, uh, my, I have a website for my podcast, a website for my business, epicspodcast.com or epics productions is my business. So you can go there. I'm on any of the major streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, and some of the other ones you probably haven't heard of. And so, yeah, just epics with an S is the main thing. And you'll see a picture of my, my silhouette with my hat on. Well, Alex, it's been wonderful having you on. Do you have any final words or asks for our audience? Yeah, I mean, the message that I try to give anyone else who is trying to work on themselves through the lens of neurodiversity is do your best to have that grace for yourself. And you're not going to be good at it. But that's okay. And you'll get better over time. It's like anything you have to practice. I think something that I learned, particularly through um, my relationship and my marriage is trust is something that you have to practice and having ADHD and being neurodivergent. The thing that I think that is overlooked the most is we don't trust ourselves. I have a deep trust of other people in my life, my, my kids in a lot of ways, my, my wife, obviously, and other friendships and relationships that I have, I, I am able to trust so openly, so freely, but the person I don't trust enough is myself. And so uh, one of the things I've learned a lot in my life and through those other relationships is to, to build trust, you have to practice trust. So practice trusting yourself, you know, understand that you're going to need grace and you probably won't have it all the time. And the other thing is just, you know, he's coming back to that finding accountability, but it's not just accountability, find community. Because this is a beautiful thing about the internet. You know, we are, you know, a day apart. You're celebrating uh, my favorite holiday right now before I've even gotten there. And we have this ability to connect with people that we've never had before. And it's so often used negatively and it's so easy to use negatively, but there's so much potential positive that can come out of it. I've, uh, so like I've joined Facebook groups for dads with ADHD, for adult men with ADHD, you know, like it's everything there's everything that you could identify as there are other people like that. And I think that's the beauty of the internet that gets overlooked because of all the bullshit out there. And it's there, it's, there's something so satisfying and comforting and knowing that other people have the same problem you do, because that was the, 
that was the thing that was the hardest for me was thinking that I was broken and I was wrong. And I was the one who is like this, the only one. And that is so, it gets so lonely so fast. So do your best to just seek out those other people. It, it can be, I mean, the best way to do that is to create friendships that way. Um, if you can have in-person friendships, that's the, that's obviously even better. Um, create on, you know, be a part of some of these online groups or, and, and if you're not there yet, if you're not sure what your neurodivergent status is, you know, just follow some, some influencers. Like there's influencers with ADHD. There's influencers who talk about autism, the influencers who talk about Tourette's just have that come across your feed every once in a while. And like here, listen to them talk about their experiences. And even if, so even if it's just identifying with this one person that you'll never meet or talk to, you'll know you're not alone. And I think that's the biggest thing is uh, find, find your community so that you're not alone and uh, practice trusting yourself. Amazing. And we'll wrap the show with that. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Focus and Chill podcast. To listen to other episodes, jump onto podcast.focusbear.io. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a good fit, email us at team at focusbear.io. Otherwise, stay focused, stay chilled and peace out.